0: You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show. The place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games. Used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert. So I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere and with just a few taps I can instantly find seats To any event that I want to go to, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to The Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of The Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 47th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 339th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 5th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris. Let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. As we all know, you almost always need NBA talent on your roster to win a championship, be it a Big Ten championship or certainly an NCAA championship. Well, after Indiana's exodus of NBA talent after last season, many are down on the Hoosiers entering this season because of the apparent talent drop off. We'll see. Guys like Robert Johnson, Deron Davis, and Juwan Morgan are keys to this year's IU team having a good season, and none are currently making much noise on any NBA draft boards as of yet. But there is one Hoosier who is making some noise, and his development as a freshman is one of the major X factors for the 2017-18 season. I am, of course, referring to Clifton Moore, who went from unranked high school prospect to being listed as a late first-round pick in Draft Express's 2019 mock draft, all in the span of about a year. Archie Miller also contributed to the hype train a little bit, saying Moore is, quote, as gifted as any player I've ever been around. And while one should never read too much into short highlight vignettes posted on the official IU Twitter account— I must admit being more than a little excited, seeing Moore effortlessly drain a three-in-one clip and then run the floor and finish a fast break in another. Now, who knows if he can defend, but the offensive skill is certainly impressive. Now, how much will Clifton contribute this season while he learns the college game and improves his conditioning and coordination? How good can he be as he starts to fulfill his vast potential? And how long will he even be in Bloomington if he does? These are all great questions. All I know is that, as I mentioned before, you need NBA-level talent to make consistent noise in college basketball. And while Archie is out there pounding the pavement, trying to recruit the best talent he can to Bloomington, he's already got at least one young player making significant NBA draft noise right now, which is undeniably a positive sign for the future. Now we'll see how much it means for the present. And by the way, uh, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by Hoosier Proud. Our friends at Hoosier Proud recently got the okay to sell officially licensed IU gear. So congrats to Connor uh, and the Hoosier Proud team on that milestone. Visit HoosierProud.com right now to see their initial line of Indiana t-shirts, as well as our assembly call logo t-shirts. Use the promo code AC at checkout, and you will get 15% off. All righty. Let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. He has now been sitting there stewing for several minutes after taking offense uh, at my assumption that Robert Johnson isn't yet a big-time NBA prospect, which is fine because we're all stewing awaiting his preseason bracket projections since he is, you know, one of the world's foremost authorities on bracketology. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in IU Basketball?
1: Certainly, any preseason bracketology, uh, anything I had even even begun to think about starting, kind of went out the window last week. Although there's a lot of uncertainty in the in the college basketball world, but uh, I guess it's as good a way as any to to kind of get into you know what's exciting about tonight. We're going to talk a lot of Big Ten preview and talk a little bit about uh, you know what happened at IU's media day. And it's a uh, while it was it was good conversation and interesting stuff to talk about last week with Ryan and Galen about the uh, the scandal that that rocked college basketball uh, prior to our show last week. Uh, it is exciting to know that one practice has begun, and two, we are actually previewing teams that we will see take the floor in in a little bit over a month, I guess, uh, when it's all said and done. So I think that that part is exciting to me, and uh, you know, it, a, a lot of good things seem to be coming out on, uh, you know, again, you know, some of the digital things and and the social media things that I use putting out are really exciting, and I think uh, are doing a good job of of gradually building that interest and that excitement as the season gets started, and uh, this is just another way to do that for me.
0: All righty. Well, here is what we are going to discuss this week. I have a few lingering thoughts from IU's Media Day. And we're going to hit those right here to close our first segment. Then Andy and I, as you mentioned, Andy, we're going to dive into our Big Ten Conference preview. We're going to provide you with the biggest questions facing every Big Ten team entering the season. And then we're going to discuss where we think IU fits into the mix and give you our projections for the Big Ten this year. And time willing, we will also answer some of your questions. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call, which is another great way to connect with the show. Alrighty, righty. Uh, real quick, before I give you my lingering thoughts on IU's Media Day, a word about this week's sponsor for Assembly Call Radio, SeatGeek. Remember that when you need tickets to anything, to a sporting event, to a concert, or really any other live event, SeatGeek is the best place to go to ensure that you get the best deal. Their app and their website are easy to use, and they have this color-coded deal rater that makes it really easy. I mean, super simple to see which tickets are delivering the best value at any given time. And here's a URL to keep handy when you're preparing to buy IU basketball tickets specifically iutickets.shop, not .com, but .shop. When you type that URL into your browser, it will take you directly to the IU basketball page on SeatGeek's website. So if you want tickets to, say, Indiana's two exhibition games coming up on October 28th and November 5th, tickets available right now for as low as $17, you can check them out at iutickets.shop and get them right there from SeatGeek. And since that is our affiliate URL, we do get a commission whenever you use it and then end up purchasing tickets. In other words, you get a great deal on IU Tickets, another passionate IU fan will be there in the stands to cheer on our Hoosiers, and you help support the assembly call, so it truly is a win-win-win all around. And again, that URL is iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Use it when you make that first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is assembly. All righty. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on The Assembly Call IU postgame show. And Andy really enjoyed the conversation that you and Galen and Ryan had last week, you know, breaking down obviously the scandal and then also talking a little bit about media day. In a normal week, I feel like we would have talked about media day probably the whole time because there was, you know, just a ton of goodies to come out of that from what Archie said to what some of the players said. And there were, you know, a, a few lingering things for me that I didn't get a chance to say obviously on last week's show, so I wanted to bring up here and I'd love to get your thoughts on them too. The first one is, you know, I'm, I've really been struck this offseason by the way that Archie has talked about Deron Davis, and I know I've mentioned it on previous shows, but he always seems to be, you know, more or at least as effusive in his praise of Deron Davis as he is of anybody, maybe with the exception of Robert Johnson, who he's really gone over the top to 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 praise, but he's also been especially candid in his critiques of Deron Davis, and I really take that as a great sign because I think it shows that Archie trusts Duran's maturity and his coachability. And again, you can obviously tell how much he appreciates Duran's natural gifts, his skill, his footwork. He talks about all of that, you know, talks about, you know, the offense running through him in a lot of ways. But I mean, he, you know, in the comments at Media Day, I mean, flat out, you know, basically called him, you know, said that he gets lazy every now and then and that he and the coaches are really going to push Duran to not do that and to run the floor better and to concentrate more on defense. And I just, I don't think Archie would do that if he didn't, A, have a great relationship with Duran already and B, really believe that he would be able to take it because I think there's some players who might not be able to take that kind of candid talk about their game in public. And with how much is riding on Duran, I just continue to feel good that Archie feels comfortable talking about him that way publicly. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it was definitely interesting as you you go back and you listen to more of those kinds of things. I think yeah, you know, what you said is true. One that he can, you know, kind of handle that kind of coaching critique, whatever you want to call it. Also, I think a good uh, not not making an example of him in front of other guys, but you know, for a guy who is important as, is as important as anybody on the team. Uh, To know right out of the gate that he's not above, uh, you know, uh, above, you know, getting getting those kinds of comments from the coaching staff. And and really, I think if you look back over the history of of IU, some of the guys that, you know, you think back to the night era, some of the guys that he probably loved the most uh, were the ones that he was the hardest on. And I think, um, you know, in many ways, I think people have, you know, kind of Archie has a little bit more of that mindset. Um, So I think you start to see that a little bit come out. But, yeah, it's certainly clear. Um, that he is already getting a lot out of Duran and expects a lot of him. Uh, And I don't think that's going to, you know, that's not going to stop. And I think it really sets the tone of, um, you you know, there's no way around the thought that they need a ton from him this season. They need him to stay on the floor. They need him to produce. Um, So if there's no sense to hide from that, you might as well uh, put it out in the open because everybody knows it anyway.
0: Another quote I really liked, Archie said, role definition has really been interesting so far. I think that's where we are as a staff, teaching things the right way, and then creating roles is something we're going to try to do here in the next three to four weeks. This is good, obviously, because as we know, last year's team was basically devoid of roles. They were positionless, but also roleless, unfortunately, and that uh, really seemed to, uh, to to cause problems throughout the season. So Hopefully, this team will have a little bit more role definition than last year's team did. Here's the other quote that really stuck out to me, and it's, it's a concept that I haven't really heard a coach put it in these terms before, but I love it. And this is when Archie was talking about Jawan Morgan, and he said, quote, Jawan really has an opportunity to create a new vision for himself from a basketball perspective. He's a tremendous kid, a hard worker, but I think he's having to learn a little bit about responsibility of production. And that term, responsibility of production, I just really like because I think on every team you have certain guys that are responsible for certain elements of production. Like Archie has talked about from a scoring perspective this year. Obviously, you're looking at Robert Johnson and Deron Davis, and he kind of named Juwan Morgan as that third guy who's going to have to get in there and score. Well, when you look at Juwan's career so far, he's never really been expected to produce. Any points that you got from Juwan, in a lot of ways, were bonuses. You know, when you had, obviously, you know, Yogi Ferrell playing his freshman year, and then as a sophomore, you know, you got OG Ananobi, and you got Thomas Bryant, and uh, James Blackman Jr., and Robert Johnson, and a lot of other guys who can pick up that scoring slack. And I think part of what happened to last year's team is that guys who had responsibility for production weren't consistently doing it. You know, Thomas Bryant was up and down and James Blackman Jr. Would be up and down and Robert Johnson obviously was up and down. And so when those guys who are responsible for production aren't bringing it every game, it really can create kind of a rudderless team. And so I think this concept of responsibility of production is one I really like hearing Archie talk about. And I like that he's putting that onus on Juwan. I mean, Juwan is now a junior. Uh, Obviously, it's time for him to take that next step in his development. I think we all agree if he's healthy, he's got a chance to really take a big step up, make a big breakout. But I just really like that phrase, that concept of responsibility of production. And it'll be interesting to see as we go through the season now you know who are these guys that we're really counting on, and are they able to step up and be consistent producers like Archie and the team needs them to be, especially the older guys, so that the younger guys can come along without so much pressure.
1: Yeah, I thought the the role comment was was the one that was music to my ears. Second most behind the seventy five percent on defense, twenty five percent on offense. But um, you know, I think that that was really important. I think you know the comments about Juwan just speak to that, and he almost went down. You know, person by person on the roster, and saying, "Hey, we need to get shooting from this guy. We need this from from these people." I mean, again, I, I feel like it's um, there, there's no sense being, you know, kind of hiding behind different cliches and whatever about what he expects of the team. Where I thought, you know, some of the prior regime there was just a lot of a lot of talk you didn't really see it. And, and I think that's what we've seen from Archie from the beginning is he's going to lay it out, tell it like it is, and I think. Um, you know, no reason to hide his expectations for what he he needs to get out of these guys, and and certainly Morgan uh, is one who, as you said, has you know been able to be points were a bonus. He was kind of you know clean up the glass, get a few putbacks here and there, um, but really was not that focal point. And I think to be able to come out and say, look, this is what we need from you. If uh, this team's going to be successful, I, you know, again, at, at no point during you know Archie's tenure here has he ever you know tried to hide behind anything other than here's what we want to do here's our plan and i think um while the plan so far has been largely around recruiting and things like that i mean i think he's now kind of laying out his plan for how this team's going to play who's going to play what role and and what they're going to look like
0: yep all righty coming up on the assembly call we dive into the big 10 conference and go team by team analyzing the biggest question facing each of iu's conference opponents stick with us we'll do that next Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something we get paid a commission so it's a great way for you to shop for the iu gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time again the url is iustore.shop please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy iu gear we appreciate it now back to the show You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my trusty co-host on The Assembly Call IU post-game show. And Andy, it is October. Practice has started. That means it's season preview time. You want to hear something crazy? We only have three shows counting this one before Hoosier Hysteria, which seems nuts. (laughs) I know, didn't that? It got here fast. Um, Life comes at you fast. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And it's awesome. Um, But then the week after that is the first exhibition game. So, I mean... You know, you guys know, I mean, our show is built on responding to things that happen on the court. So, you know, once Hoosier Hysteria comes, we'll have a lot to respond to. Once you have the first exhibition game, we'll have a lot to talk about. So... You know, if we want to do some real season preview stuff, we've got to do it these next uh, these next few weeks. So we're going to start out previewing the Big Ten this week. We will really dive deep on the team the next couple of weeks. After that, analyze some individuals, uh, it's all in hopes of getting you ready for the season. But let's start this week with the Big Ten. Just a quick recap uh, of last year's ugly results. Purdue obviously won the league at fourteen and four by two games over Wisconsin and Maryland. Minnesota finished fourth, and then there was a four way tie for fifth between Michigan, Northwestern, Michigan State, and Iowa. And Indiana, as we all unfortunately remember, finished in a tie for 10th with Ohio State. Now, when you look ahead to this year so far, you know, as you survey the preseason prognostications, it seems like most people have kind of settled in with a few clear tiers. You've got Michigan State, head and shoulders above everybody, kind of the national title contender, the expected champion. I think they clearly have the best roster of any team in the Big Ten. Then you've got your safe picks after that, and the safe picks are teams that kind of have a combination of returning experience, plus they also had success last year. So it's, it's pretty easy to envision them being good against, uh, again this year, and that's Purdue, Minnesota, and Northwestern. And then you've got a group of X-Factors, which are teams that you know lost big-time stars from last year and don't necessarily have guys you know with a lot of experience that we've seen in this conference ready to step into those roles yet, even though they have some guys with potential. And that's Wisconsin, Michigan, Maryland, and Iowa. And then you've kind of got the rest of the teams. You've got a team like Penn State, which didn't really lose anybody, and they're very talented but it's Penn State, so no one really knows what to expect from them, even though people think they will be better. Then you've got the teams with the new coaches, Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio State. New coaches, a lot of question marks across all of those rosters, uh, which obviously we're going to get into here. And then you have the football schools that are unlikely to really make any basketball noise this year, Nebraska and Rutgers. So that one contender up at the top, you've got your state.
1: Rutgers, a football school? I I mean,
0: they're more a football school than they are a basketball school. Well, I are mean, waiting
1: n- to find out what they're good at, but I'm <laughs> sure it's out there.
0: They're, they're really neither, but you know, I was just I was just trying to group them some way with Nebraska, and that felt like the best grouping. Um,
1: so diehard Nebraska football fans are
0: writing <laughs> sternly worded emails. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Um, what do you think? Is that kind of what you think in terms of the tiers, Andy? Is that a pretty safe way to kind of, you know, how we look at it going into the season? Yeah, I-
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, in most of the, the things that I've looked at, you know, the Michigan State, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern Quartet always seem to be kind of together, maybe not in the same order with Michigan State typically first. And then you've got that next tier of the, you know, Maryland, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa seem to be grouped pretty closely together uh, in in that group. I think once you get outside of those top top few, there's a pretty big group of teams you could argue could finish anywhere from, you know, fifth to the tenth, probably.
0: Yeah, and hold that thought because when we get into our final segment, we're going to actually give our Big Ten projections and kind of where Indiana fits in. And you know, I had a real hard time trying to rank those teams in the middle. I mean, it is—it's you know—it's kind of like throwing darts, I guess. Although I feel much better at throwing darts than I do picking which of those teams. A lot of it could end up just being based on the schedule. Um, but anyway, let's go one by one, and let's just go down some of these teams. Let's talk about the biggest question facing each team that they're going to have to answer to kind of hit the top end of their ceiling. And let's start right at the top, the team that really has the fewest question marks of anybody in the conference, and that is Michigan State. So what is the question facing them that will determine not just if they can contend and win the Big Ten, but possibly even be the Big Ten's first national champion since
1: Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, for me, it all revolves around the the sophomore guards and Josh Langford and Cassius Winston. I I think those are guys who uh, they're really deep in the front court. Uh, obviously, Miles Bridges coming back was a you know huge boost for them. And so, really, it just becomes who's who's the guys in the backcourt. We know what Tum Nairn is at this point in his you know 11th year of of school, and he's not a guy who's going to be able to be counted on to score. And and they really need Winston to to provide that threat and really step in, um you know and and continue to run the show. Averaged about five assists last year, and, and Langford really might be the biggest one. They they had a little bit of a dose of things without Aaron Harris toward the end of last year. Uh, And Lankford had some injuries that slowed him early, but I think he's got to be a guy who produces because there really just aren't nearly as many options. If something doesn't work out with one of those guys, they don't have as many places to turn, um, you know, at those positions. And so I think, you know, if they can provide some stability from the backcourt in their sophomore seasons, I think they they really can challenge for a national title. Um, Otherwise, I think they could certainly still challenge for a Big Ten title. But I think, you know, those guys are the difference between, you know, winning the Big Ten versus, you know, winning it all.
0: It's funny. I mean, Winston is definitely the biggest question mark, and yet he's a guy who had an assist rate last year of 46.7%, which is absurd. Now, he did turn the ball over 26.4% of the time, but still, obviously, many more assists than turnovers. Uh, And a guy who, for a point guard, had a pretty good free throw rate, too. I mean, he got to the line a decent amount and is a good free throw shooter. And so if he can play more efficiently, I mean, they're just going to be scary good with what they have down low. So, you know, I I hope... (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. So I hope that that question is not answered in the affirmative. But, you know, I think Winston had a pretty good season for a freshman point guard in the Big Ten Conference. And so you would have to think that he'll take another step with a little bit more experience, a a little bit more maturity. And that will obviously go a long way towards Michigan State, you know, fulfilling their vast potential. Okay, so let's go from Michigan State now all the way to the other end of the conference with Rutgers and I guess the question is: Are there even any questions worth asking about Rutgers at this point?
1: I mean, I guess you could ask whether they're going to, you know, get out of the, you know, last place. Um, I think the big thing with them is just offensive efficiency. The, the talent level has started to rise a little bit. Um, I think their new coach uh, Steve—I think it's Pikeel is how you say it, or Pike L. Um, You know, I think he's he's going to be a good coach, and do, and they've got a few solid players. You know, Corey Sanders, Deshaun Freeman. Mike Williams for three guys who average at least nine points a game. The problem is outside of them, there's really a, you know a ton of question marks. No one, uh, you know, no one really established at that point. And so uh, I, I think it's can they start to climb their way out of the basement? And that really becomes the question. And I think there's a chance they don't finish uh, last, and, and that if they're going to do that, they have to get a lot better on on offense. Their offensive efficiency numbers were pretty ugly uh, from a year ago, so that's really the biggest thing that they need to improve upon if they're going to you know try to get from 14th to 13th or 12th. Um, and really, when you start from where they are, that's you know kind of how you need to set goals. Unfortunately,
0: well, uh, Corey Sanders' his uh, offensive rating last year was what 89.8, uh, which is actually lower than what Verdell Jones and Devin Dumas had uh, their first season in Indiana at Indiana. So that kind of tells you how uh, how inefficient Corey Sanders was. Yep, that uh, sets it up pretty well because yeah, I mean Verdell obviously turned into a much better player, but his freshman year there wasn't a lot of efficiency happening there. So. Uh, You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Uh, Let's keep going through the conference. Andy, let's go to Purdue. Uh, Big questions facing the Boilermakers. Obviously, they have to replace Caleb Swanigan. So what are the questions that they need to answer? You know, I think
1: two things. There's two ways they need to replace Swanigan. One is whether Vince Edwards can really step up or Vincent, whatever he's going going by now. I mean, can he really step up and, and be a star? Uh, I think he did a, a bit of that in in the World University Games when they were able to to participate in that over the summer, and I think as a team got a lot of practice time, and and will likely reap the benefits of that as they go. So I think if he uh, is able to do that, a uh, really versatile guy, and and just step into a more expanded role, I think that's that's a big piece. And the other piece is Isaac Hosk, can he stay on the floor long enough uh, to really, you know, to really contribute even more? A, a guy who averaged I think about twelve points a game last year, despite. Uh, you know, at times struggling to stay on the floor, either because of foul trouble, just trying to find lineup combinations of could they play him and Swanigan together. Um, and I think if he can do that, those things help. But they're, they're stocked in the backcourt with, you know, guys like Carson Edwards and Dakota Mathias and, and PJ Thompson. So not a lot to, to worry about there. It's really, you know, can Edwards assume that role as the, as the superstar of the team and, and can Haas stay on the
0: court? Moving on to Nebraska, what is the important question there other than should Faux Pellini be named the AD at Nebraska? Which is uh, obviously yes,
1: yeah, I mean th- the answer to that is known that's a question we do know the answer to what We don't know uh, is it, there's just a lot of roster turnover they they had uh, I think three or four guys transfer Ty Webster graduated, so really they have Glenn Watson Jack mcVeigh and and that's really about it uh, back a couple other guys who you know who played who were role players and so they're counting a lot on transfers, and so the question really centers around whether those guys can contribute. they've got James Palmer from Miami Isaac Copeland who, you know, has a ton of talent transferred from Georgetown. I think just found out he's going to be eligible at the beginning of the season instead of midway through uh, grad transfer from Winthrop. They also have a, uh, I think this guy's a freshman from Iceland who I believe will go his first name. If you shorten it is Thor. And his last name is just r- ridiculous Thor Bjarne I can't even, I can't even tell it might not fit on his Jersey, um, but the potential of a Thor in the big 10 is exciting. And I think, you know, a lot of pressure on Tim miles coming into the season they're going to be counting a lot on those newcomers the transfers in particular to really be able to produce. Um, but I struggle to see a scenario in which they finish any higher than you know maybe 12th, maybe 11th at best, uh, based on you know just the personnel and, and how they've looked the last couple of years.
0: God, if he has a cold shooting night and there's some announcer who thinks he's clever and wants to make some jokes about how he's from Iceland, I'd, I'd let's just let's hope uh, not. We've all heard <laughs> you know, it's, it's somebody is making that. Joke. Oh, who is it? Sean Morris. He's definitely making that joke. <laughs> oh, there's, there's not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a dad joke. So he's going to be all over it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, we got about 30, 45 seconds. Let's hit, let's save Minnesota for next segment. Let's hit Ohio state real quick. Uh, what's the big question facing Ohio state?
1: Just they They just don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of scholarship players. And while I really like Chris Holtman as a coach, uh, it's a pretty tall order for him based on the, you know, just the even have enough players to really have a, a good practice. So, uh, I think it's just how quickly he can get them to come together. I think they're just playing a little bit from behind from a roster standpoint. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for them.
0: And they have a couple good players, right? Jay Sean Tate uh, is still there. So, I mean, they've got some talent, but just not a lot He's of depth. Really
1: they just gotta going to have to throw freshmen right into the fire immediately and, and have them play big minutes
0: yeah all righty um interesting and you know it's going to be interesting to see also what Holtman can do on the recruiting trail because obviously like all the new coaches he's got to get that going get the talent replenished uh in Columbus to get that thing turned around all righty uh we just did the first half of the Big Ten coming up in our next segment we will go through the rest of the teams in the Big Ten conference give you the biggest question facing them and then after that we'll give you our projected finish that's coming up stick with us If you are listening to The Assembly Call, go to assemblycall.com slash join right now or whenever it's convenient to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter because if you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you really do need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails once the season starts. It is all free and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And we are doing our Big Ten preview episode going team by team, giving you the biggest question marks facing each Big Ten team heading into the season. Let's go with Minnesota, another one of those teams, Andy, that's kind of in everybody's top four. They made a big leap last year going from eight wins to 20-some wins and making it to the NCAA tournament. A lot of people are high on them. What are the biggest question marks facing Richard Pitino and the Golden Gophers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really, you know, a few questions came to mind. You know, one is shooting. They didn't, they didn't shoot the ball. Uh, particularly well last year. And so it's a question of whether they can improve upon that this year. Keem Springs, which is really the only guy that they lost. Uh, it, it was one of their better outside shooters. So how, how does that part play out? Uh, they lost Eric Curry to injury. So it hurts their front court depth a little bit. Uh, and so I think that's a question mark. And, and the other is just how to play with expectations. You know, they were um, you know, playing with house money for a good part of last year. Uh, you know, it did well to really, you know, come back and, and really surprise people. Now with the expectations on them, how does that how does that fit together? But not a ton of questions about them from my perspective. I think the shooting uh, is going to be the biggest one, but it, it's hard not to like, uh, you know, that trio they've got of Nate Mason, Amir Coffey, and Jordan Murphy. I think those are you know three really good players um, that provide some you know pretty diverse skills as, as you look down the roster. So uh, other than could they come back to earth from how you know a lot of things went right last year and, and not this year, uh, and they don't shoot the ball well, but I think overall they, they seem to be pretty deep. Um, even with the, uh, the loss of Curry.
0: And how does Richard Pitino deal with his dad possibly pestering him all season long and showing up at games since he has nothing else to do? That's, Can't wait to get that's shots <laughs> the shots of the crib keeper behind the bench doing doing his thing, so
1: I'll really be excited. <laughs>
0: All right, let's move on to Northwestern. Uh, a surprise in the Big Ten last year. Obviously, they made their first NCAA tournament. Now they play with the burden of expectations. And obviously, you know, one of the big questions facing them is how will their home court situation impact the season? Because they are not playing their games at Welsh Ryan Arena while it is renovated. And I went to look because, you know, I was just wondering how big of a home court advantage it was for them last year. And they were five and four, both at home and on the road in big 10 play last year for a total of 10 and eight. So it's not like they rode, you know, like seven, a seven and two home record and that it projects to really hurt them. Now, obviously you'd rather play your games in the comfy confines of your normal home gym. Uh, But at least based on last year, you know, they were kind of 50, 50. So maybe that won't be as big of an impact uh, as it might be for another team. But how do you think that affects them? And then what other questions uh, are big facing Northwestern?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's a big one. I think playing with the expectations is good. And in, and, and, uh, I think it was Brendan Quinn uh, wrote wrote some kind of questions for the Big Ten. And I think his question boiled down to, how does a team that finished 10 and 8 in the league improve with essentially the same personnel? Now I think part of that was, uh, you know, Scotty Lindsay was out for a while with Mono uh, during a stretch where they didn't play very well. But the other thing is, schedule-wise, um, you know, their Big Ten schedule doesn't stack up in their favor at all. They've got double plays against Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, and Penn State, all who would be in the, you know, in the top or at least in the in that, you know, kind of crowded middle group. And, and, you know, they only play Rutgers, uh, you know, in Nebraska, Ohio State, and Illinois once, uh, if you think those are the worst four teams. So I think schedule-wise, um, that could really hurt them. But I, I, I do think they have a lot of pieces that you like. They didn't lose a ton uh, they get Aaron Falzon back from uh, from injury that that'll help replace some of the production of the couple you know role player type guys that did leave. So um, I think those are the big ones for me. The expectations is going to be a big one, something that, that you know I kind of lumped them in Minnesota in that same same boat from that
0: perspective. And what about Illinois? The Fighting Illini have a new coach. They lost their best player off of last year's roster. What are the biggest questions facing them as they try to get out of the the, the bottom of the conference?
1: Yeah, I mean Underwood was able to turn things around really quickly at Oklahoma State. He did have Juwan Evans, who's a uh, you know an NBA draft pick last year, and I'm not sure there's an NBA draft pick on this particular roster. So, it, you know, maybe his ability to turn things around quickly there is is a bit limited. Uh, they're going to be pretty young. Uh, they've got some front court guys coming back who who have a little bit of experience from last year, but I think you know talent wise on the roster, it, it's hard to see. Uh, a ton there and i think you know it's it's a big question for me of how how quickly they'll be able to uh you know adapt to his system i think there are you know potentially what questions may come up there from you know some of the scandals where you know former assistant of his was uh involved in some of the and some of the stuff that went down and and so we'll see i just don't know that the talent is quite there it'll be a real test uh if he gets them you know to finish maybe even in the top 10 of the league i think that'll be a real testament to his coaching
0: this next team, I think, is one of the most intriguing teams in the conference this year, and that is Michigan. I mean, they obviously lose a lot with Derek Walton, Zach Irvin, uh, the, the kid that went to the NBA, uh, Wilson, um, but they've got some interesting players back, and they've got some really interesting newcomers, uh, some transfers coming in that they're really banking on, but if those guys end up panning out, this could be a pretty good Michigan team. What are the biggest question marks facing the Wolverines?
1: I think it's really those, uh, you know, those, those transfers. that's really going to form their starting backcourt and, and Jaron Simmons from Ohio, and then Charles Matthews who sat out last year after he transferred from Kentucky. I think if those guys can prove to be good, uh, they've got a really, really solid starting five. And line is one that I'll trust to to kind of figure out things around those guys. Now, uh, if that doesn't work out, then there's not really, you know, again, there's not really a clear cut option to to fill the roles of either one of those guys. Uh, and, and I think, you know, as well as, you know, Walton was playing as well as anybody in the league by the end of last season. And so, uh, you know, that that's a, a really big loss. You know, to lose three double-digit scorers is a big deal. Uh, for me, I, I just think Beeline is such a good offensive coach that he's going to get the most out of the guys that he has. But I think, to me, it starts with that backcourt.
0: You are listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, previewing the Big Ten Conference. And let's just keep rolling right along, Andy. And let's talk about Penn State. Uh, you have listed here on the notes. Can they finally break through? What are they? Indiana football? Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about. Everybody gets
1: excited about, you know, Penn State. They start to get you know better players in, and you kind of wait for them to have that breakthrough season. It just never really happens. Uh, and so I think they're they're a little bit like Michigan, where it's pretty easy to like their starting five, and then after that, there's a lot of questions. Uh, you know, Tony Carr and Lamar Stevens as freshmen last year played really well. Mike Watkins, I think, was a redshirt freshman. Uh, a year ago and so I think you know those guys are 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 good Shep Garner has shown some ability to shoot the ball but you get past those guys they really didn't have uh, a lot of great recruits come in and so if anything doesn't work with that starting lineup who else do you really have and quite honestly it's a you know with history as our guide it's kind of you got to show me that you can actually do it at at, at the point before I'm going to project them uh, a little bit higher but the, the talent level is unquestionably better than what it has been uh there and certainly you know one of the best teams since pat chambers has been there but at some point you actually have to do it uh and they started to kind of show progress last year and then they would you know stub their toe and, and really play poorly down the stretch
0: yeah and Carr and stevens are both guys that tom Crean was recruiting pretty heavily uh, at indiana too and they ended up going to penn state uh so it'll be interesting to watch them continue to progress yeah, let's I mean, toss
1: could... home to rutgers last year for heaven's sake so what oh what were, my
0: oh my Oh my, that's
1: With the same guys that are on this year's team. So
0: if you've, if you've done that, how can we trust you? <laughs> that's, that's an excellent point. Uh, all right, let's talk about Maryland. Uh, again, another team, uh, like Michigan, like Wisconsin that lost some important players off of last year's team, namely mellow Trimble. What are the biggest question marks facing Maryland? I think it's really who steps
1: up outside of those three freshmen. I, I think you have a pretty good idea what you're going to get out of Jackson Cowan and Herder. Uh, as sophomores, is certainly up their production. I think all three will end up scoring in double figures. But outside of them, uh, there's a lot of questions, particularly in the front court, whether, you know, Sikovsky can be a guy who who you can count on. He got hurt last year uh, in the middle of the season, but but had played better uh, at that point. They got, you know, Sean Obey, a transfer from Duke, a guy named Bruno Fernando, uh, which just from a name perspective is pretty good. Not as good as the Thor guy from
0: Nebraska, uh, <laughs> but
1: uh, the Thor the guy, guy. Fernando is pretty, pretty fun to say. So that's good. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think those are really the big questions for me is can they get consistent production uh, just in, as, from a role player standpoint and guys outside of those three? And um, I think there's reason to be excited uh, about them. I thought the podcast uh, podcast on the brink you guys just did this week with uh, with Roman, I think was his name. I can't remember his last
0: name. Yeah. Roman Stubbs from the Washington yeah. Post. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I thought I thought it was good and I think summed up pretty well, like the, you know, the things you like about them. But there's definitely questions. So. Uh, Their their team schedule wise has some interesting things going on as well, but I I, uh, hard not to like that trio of sophomores. That's for sure.
0: Next up is Iowa, and I feel like as we get closer to the season, I'm starting to see more and more positive buzz about Iowa. You know, people thinking this team has a chance to to maybe surprise some people, and you know, if their young players can develop. Obviously, they lose a, a huge player off of last year's team, Peter Jock who uh, used 28.5 percent of their possessions which is uh, you know obviously a pretty good amount um, and I mean was a really good score how do they replace all of that production and is that the biggest question uh, facing the Hawkeyes
1: yeah from my perspective it is I think you know he made things easier for everybody around him because of the attention that he drew defensively and so uh, you know they, they have a ton of of guys who got experience they played a lot of players uh, you know last year i think you know it's kind of come up in the iu game where you know he had he played 12 guys in the first five minutes of that game or something and um so you got you know guys who are coming you know the, the tyler cook jordan bohannon uh, a couple guys who who i think will be sophomores and and uh, give them a good foundation and and yeah but it's uh you, you're certainly going to be asking guys or a collection of guys to take on the role that jack did is really the focal point of the offense and while there's probably some guys who are who are able to do that. Um, it, it's unclear who who the who that focal point becomes. And the other thing is they were really bad defensively uh, a year ago. And so, um, you know, how they fix that uh, will be important because they, they certainly could score Even last year with Jack will probably be able to do so again this time around. But if they can't stop anybody, uh, we know all too well uh, how the, how that story ends.
0: And last but not least, look, Ryan is not here tonight, but in his honor, because he would want it this way, we saved Wisconsin for dead last. Um, So let's talk about the Badgers, who may be facing more questions than anyone in the conference, given how much they've lost, uh, because after their decade in Madison, Bronson Koenig, Nigel Hayes uh, are gone. And now, you know, look, the Bo Ryan era is kind of over now, and it's Greg Gard's turn to to really do it and put his stamp on this program what are the questions facing wisconsin andy and is this finally the year that wisconsin doesn't finish in the top four
1: i i feel like it might be i mean if ever there was a year this feels like it would be it i mean you have ethan hap uh and outside of that Demetri trice is really the next guy that you feel like you know what you're going to get out of him and and beyond him you really just don't know i think they did an, an, an overseas uh trip in the summer and had some different guys step up uh based on some of the things that i read but um but again, they're, they're certainly you're kind of counting on them to be the same Wisconsin that they have been where an obscure guy that nobody really knew about steps into a into a prominent role uh, and, and they kind of don't skip a beat. And so they really need that. And and I think, you know, the other question is really, you know, you've got Greg Gard. If you if you want to make he certainly was there, but it was the you know, did he win with Bo Ryan's players. And now these are uh, a lot more his guys than Bo Ryan's. And how does that all come together? I think uh, it, it just becomes a question of how much you trust their system and what they've built there. Uh, where they truly are just kind of interchangeable pieces as different guys come and go, and um you know have they have they you know groomed guys along the way to really step into these prominent roles, but it's a lot of prominent roles that need to be filled
0: boy, it sure is i mean i Wisconsin has felt like such a stable force in the big Ten for so long i can't I can't remember the last time they faced so many questions coming into the season, you know it's always felt like they've just kind of had this assembly line of you knew who the next guy was going to be that would kind of step up, you know, and now, I mean, it, it really feels like it's wide open for them. So it's going to be they're, – they're another one of the more intriguing teams because if they did finish in the top four, I don't think anybody would be shocked. But if they really struggled and finished ninth or tenth, I mean, that would kind of be surprising, but I don't know if it would be shocking just given how many holes they have.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's one where they've lost, you know, key guys before. They've lost, you know, the Jordan Taylors and, um, mm-hmm. and some of those kinds of guys, but they've always really had somebody ready – uh, to step into those roles, I don't feel like they've they've had quite the same same losses. Even as you know from that Final Four team, when you know they lost Decker and uh, and Kaminsky, there was still that foundation of guys that really allowed them to not lose momentum. Now, now most of those guys are gone, and it's really happened. Um, you know, again, I think you're going to start to wonder like, how much is he benefiting from the attention that those other guys got? Where he now becomes the focal point? Uh, does he get sent to the line more? Free throw shooting was a big deal for him last year does he actually get called for traveling i mean who knows a lot of things could happen we'll you know we'll have to wait and see
0: does he become a great three-point shooter that's another uh, emerging story a great
1: outside <laughs> of the lane is really you gotta take baby steps first.
0: oh we will see all righty coming up in our final segment we've answered we've asked the questions now we're going to give you our projected finish including where indiana fits into the mix that is coming up stick with us here on the assembly call You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Wrapping up, we are doing our Big Ten preview this week. We just went through and gave you the biggest questions facing every Big Ten team. Obviously, we didn't talk about Indiana, but we're basically going to spend the next two weeks previewing all of the many questions facing the Hoosiers. Uh, so, tune in the next couple weeks, obviously, for those previews. Uh, one thing I want to say real quick here, Andy, before we reveal. Our projected orders of finish is it's really important to remember the impact of unbalanced scheduling. Because, what is it, each team uh, has a double play against five different teams. So, I mean, it's far from a true round robin. We know that. And so, you know, who you play in your double plays, where your single play games are, you know, who the teams are that you play just on the road or at home, it matters. It makes a difference. And it could be the difference between, you know, a couple of teams like Michigan and Wisconsin that a lot of people think are, you know, pretty similar and, heck, throw Iowa in there, throw Indiana in there, some different teams. You know, who finishes fifth and who finishes ninth? could in a lot of ways not even be based on just who's the best team, but what the schedule is. And, you know, you never want to kind of blame or talk about things that the team has no control over, but it is what it is. And you know, just as an example, you know, you mentioned this, Northwestern has a really tough schedule. They play, they're double play. Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Penn State, Wisconsin. Those are all teams that, you know, a lot of people think are going to finish in the top half of the conference this year. They have to play them all twice. On the other hand, Michigan State plays Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Wisconsin twice. You know Illinois and Rutgers, a couple teams that most people think are going to be tenth or worse. Uh, you know, and obviously Indiana is a team that people project all you know all over the place. But you know, a lot of people eighth, ninth, tenth. So not only do they have the most talented roster, but they also have what looks like the easiest schedule. Now it's tough to project at the beginning of the year, but it is worth stating that that is something that could and probably will have a big impact on the Big Ten race.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I was looking back through the post that uh, Alex did inside the hall, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's one of these things where everybody does the same thing in the NFL. where It's like, oh, here's the strength of schedule, and then turns out you don't know crap about half the teams by the time it's all said and done. So, yeah. uh, you know, who knows? What we think now may not be the case. But, I mean, we certainly have seen over the last couple of years how much of a factor that has been. Um, so there's no reason to believe that it's not going to play at least some some role in it this year. I don't know that Michigan State needs any help. Um, but the schedule certainly looks like it gives it to them to a certain extent. All
0: right. So let's reveal our projected orders of finish for the big 10 this year. And we'll do it in tiers Uh, not like crying, but you know, tiers of teams. Uh, let's start with the top four. I think we'll probably have certainly a similar top four, maybe even the exact same. Pretty sure we both have Michigan state and Purdue one and two. Who do you have three? Are you going with Minnesota? Yeah, I have Minnesota. I think partly the
1: schedule, um, and, and I just think partly the the personnel. I like a little bit more than um, Northwestern, who is who I had for. But I still, I do think there's a, a line between those four teams. No matter what, you know, I said before about Northwestern and the whole you know ten and eight with this roster and things like that. I think Chris Collins is is doing a really
0: good job with them. So, yeah, See, and I, and I had a little bit of a hard time at number four because I like Northwestern, but the schedule, the upheaval, you know, not being able to play at home. You know, I I wonder, I would not be shocked if they fall down a little bit. Um, But as I sat there looking at it, they had fewer questions than the other teams below them. And they have a senior point guard in Bryant McIntosh. So I felt safer putting them fourth than anybody else. So I kind of went with them by default. But I would not be shocked if someone jumped up and booted them out of that slot. But we will see. Um, I think the the depth and
1: just overall personnel of those top four feels just different to me than, than anybody else's where you've got pockets of players that you'd like on most of the other teams, but but I, I think those four seem to kind of set themselves apart a little bit in that way.
0: Alright, so you want to go 5 through 10 next?
1: Sure. That, that, yeah, that's probably the next logical grouping unless unless we've got something crazy. But
0: Okay, so why don't you reveal yours first? Alright, so I had Michigan
1: 5th, Maryland 6th, uh, I waffled on this one, I'm, I'm going to put IU 7th um, in the just ahead of Wisconsin who I had at 8th, then I had Iowa ninth, Penn State tenth.
0: Wow. Okay. So ours, we have some similarities there. So I had Penn State tenth, I had Iowa ninth, Maryland eighth, Wisconsin seventh, Michigan sixth, and I've got Indiana finishing fifth. Uh, and let me give you some reasons why, so that you don't just think this is me with my crimson-colored glasses on. But uh, you, you know, never you never fail to, to disappoint in that regard. So, it, all right but here 's the thing, like I mean, I sat there at number four, it took me a while, and I finally said northwestern and then i 'm looking at all these other teams, and it's just it 's really hard to separate them so here 's for me what separated Indiana from these other teams and why I feel more comfortable putting them there and part of this may just be you know the kind of the, the, the bias of being up close and, and because I know more about Indiana, some of the questions to other people feel less like questions to me. I will grant that. But here's what I know. This team has experience, and they've got experience in the backcourt with Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk. We know that's important, along with the experience of Colin Hartman. I think the focus on last year's biggest issues, defense and turnovers, if Indiana can improve even marginally in those two areas, it will help out a ton. We know that. I also think we may be people, you know, the national pundits, may be a little bit overrating the losses, not to say that – Thomas Bryant, OG Ananobi, and James Blackman Jr. weren't terrific players at times. But, you know, Bryant was better as a freshman. OG missed half the season. And sometimes IU's been better without Blackman in the lineup. So I think the lack of that top-tier, professional-level talent lowers Indiana's ceiling. But I actually think we might be more consistent and even tougher with the lineup that we have. I think there are several legit breakout candidates. We talked about Daron Davis. I'm not going to be shocked if he's second-team, third-team, all Big Ten. I think one of Curtis Jones or Devontae Green could really break out. And then I think you've got a couple of freshmen in Clifton Moore and Justin Smith that by the time February, you know, January, February rolls around, Those are guys who could have impact like what OG and Juwan had as freshmen when they really became big players off the bench. And then I think the schedule is tough with the one-day turnarounds, but Indiana also does get to play Illinois and Ohio State twice. And Rutgers and Nebraska are single plays on the road, so you don't have to waste a home game against those teams. So to me, you add all of that up, and I think there are fewer question marks for Indiana than the other teams but I'm willing to hear your arguments that maybe I'm a little bit biased. But to me, when I look at it, trying to be as analytical and objective as possible, I think you can make a very reasonable argument that Indiana finishes fifth. But because of how close all these teams are, it's not like it would take much more than one or two losses to knock you down to maybe ninth or tenth. I mean, it's it's a razor-thin margin, I think, when you get with those teams there five to ten. Yeah, I mean, if you told me
1: that I will finish fifth, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I, I really like them. I, I kept them uh, at nine, largely because of the defensive questions. And I think, you know, while they have a lot of guys back, they might miss Jock a little bit more than people think. But I wouldn't be stunned uh, if they really jumped up and, and and finished a lot higher. I think you could almost draw these teams out of a hat. And, and um, so from the standpoint of, uh, you know, kind what of you, what you described, I think we just have um, – more faith in some of the answers to the questions that people have about iu maybe than maybe than other people do so i think that's fair um you know for for me i had them between seventh and eighth uh you know kind of waffle i do think they're going to be better than what people are projecting them at i do think by the end of it they're going to be right on the bubble and i would expect a big 10 to get in the seven to maybe eight team range so that's kind of why i i stuck them in there um you know kind of just in the middle of that tier because I think they've got the chance to be a little bit better than that but I think they've got the chance to finish ninth as well you know what I mean so yep um, I, I I wouldn't be stunned if they finished fifth uh, I think the schedule points you bring up are are important and I think as we start to see these teams play a little bit more it might be a little bit easier to to kind of tell what that is Michigan for me was largely because of B line um, that kind of broke the tie just because of what I Uh, you know, what I think of him. And and I think, you know, Penn State, kind of what I said before, they've been good at it. It seems like they should break through, but um, haven't seen it. So kind of placing them in a way that that says they won't get there since then. So I don't know if we got time to run through our, our last four quickly. but
0: Really quick. I've got Ohio State, Illinois, Nebraska, and of course Rutgers finishing up. Five seconds. Who you got? I got the same except Illinois
1: and Ohio State flipped. I just think I like Underwood and he's got a little bit better personnel
0: All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of our live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We really appreciate you being here. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep The Assembly Call going and to keep growing. And we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support so that if you do want to support the show, there are a number of options and we encourage you to choose whichever one is most convenient. On that page, you will find ways to donate, including how to set up a monthly recurring donation or annual recurring donation, as many folks have, or you can submit a one-time donation. Again, that is assemblycall.com support. Or you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop, and we will get a commission if you use that URL and make a purchase. All righty. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for your support. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symfony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS health hub. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth. Plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.